Welcome to The Breakdown with James Lankford, where Oklahoma Senator James Lankford discusses policy issues in Congress. Thank you for listening today. This is The Breakdown. This is James Lankford. Welcome to The Breakdown. This is where we take some of the complicated issues that are internal to what's happening in Washington, D.C., and try to break them down into simplified form and to give you the kind of behind-the-scenes conversation of what's happening. We usually take issues that are not front and center in the media right now, and sometimes we do, but most of the time we try to look at some of the behind-the-scenes issues uh, that you don't hear as much about or don't get a lot of detail on in the media. This particular time, we're going to talk about Senate rules. And before you start yawning or turn it off, this is on one particular thing that's been a hot issue for us for a while, and that is how we handle nominations. Uh, This has been a changing issue for a while, and it's been a great debate. Prior to about 2003, nominations in the Senate really meant that uh, the president nominated someone. There were about 1,200 people at that time, about 1,600 people uh, that had to go through Senate confirmation. Now, you may wonder about that. The Senate constitutionally does what's called advice and consent for every nominee. That's for federal judges and for uh, people that work in the different agencies, whether it be a cabinet secretary, undersecretary, or whatever it may be of all these different positions. And as I said, it's, it's a lot of people. Uh, and so in 2003, the process started changing a little bit. In 2003, for the first time, there was someone that actually did a filibuster. Uh, at that time, asked for what they called a cloture vote on a nominee. Well, that cloture vote may not seem like a big deal, but for the first time, it required 60 people before you could actually move a nominee. Prior to that, every president was given deference to say, I may agree or disagree with their political, but are they qualified? Are they a person that the president wants to have? Then they can go through that process and get confirmation. Same for judges. Uh, This whole concept of it takes 60 people uh, to be able to move someone through Senate confirmation didn't really exist before 2003. Best evidence for that is Clarence Thomas. So 30 years ago, he joins the Supreme Court. At that time, was one of the most contentious Uh, individuals to be able to move through the Supreme Court at that time. He came out of committee on a non-recommendation. It was a split vote in the committee, even uh, vote. And so he wasn't recommended on committee, but then he came to the floor and then passed on the floor into the Supreme Court with a vote of 52 to 48. Now, at, at after that time period, after 2003, we didn't have anybody that moved without 60 votes because suddenly 60 votes showed up as the priority. But prior to 2003, that really wasn't done. So starting in 2003, there started being a couple of folks uh, that were fought and said, no, you've got to get additional 60 votes. Then it kind of ramped up more and more from there and started accelerating. But it is a fairly recent phenomenon that has grown so much that in the past two years with President Trump, Democrats have demanded additional cloture votes 128 times on President Trump's nominees. Now, again, you may say, OK, great. Well, they're, they're asking for additional debate. They're really not asking for additional debate. What they're asking for is slowing down the time. They're preventing the president using this cloture technique to then prevent the president from getting all of his staff. Because if you've got to have 1,200 people that have to go through nominations, then if you have to take a full day plus another 30 hours to be able to do it, literally 54 hours of time uh, to be able to move someone through the floor, you can't do it. You can't get 1,200 staff members through the Senate if each one of them has to get a cloture vote on it and has to go through this long process. So they've taken the tool from, I want additional time to debate this person, 
to suddenly it's going to stop the Senate entirely. And it's caused this whole big stir. Now, as I mentioned before, it started in 2003 and has grown little by little. In fact, interestingly enough, if you're interested in a little factoid on it, the very first person to use it in 2003 was actually used on Miguel Estrada, and it was done by a senator named Charles Schumer. Uh, Chuck Schumer was actually the first one that actually put this in place in 2003, and then has continued to accelerate uh, since that time period a little bit each year, and has continued to grow to the level it is now. In 2013, it had grown to a level in the Obama administration that Republicans and Democrats sat down together and said, we've got to form a truce and figure out how to be able to manage this new tool because this is not working well. Let's find a way to be able to limit time to be able to make sure we get nominees. So Harry Reid, under the Obama administration, proposed to uh, Republicans and said, come join us. Let's reduce the time in debate to two hours for district court judges eight hours for lower folks, and then 30 hours for cabinet-level Supreme Court, Circuit Court. Republicans joined with Democrats and said, okay, let's form that truce. Let's resolve it for the years 2013-2014 in the Obama administration, helping President Obama be able to get his nominees and make sure that's done. That was not renewed in 2014, uh, or for 2015 and 16, and so it went away. And then when President Trump was elected in 2016, that became an even bigger fight all of a sudden. And all of it came back uh, with a vengeance, in fact, uh, with 128 nominees that were blocked. So the question then was, how do we solve this? Two years ago, I started working with Democrats and said, okay, in 2013, you asked Republicans to join you to help President Obama to get his nominees. Republicans did that. Now, I wasn't in the Senate at that time, but Republicans came and joined and became 78 of 100 people voted for that. Uh, in 2013, I took that exact same proposal and said, let's do that again. Let's solve the rules of the Senate and to be able to resolve this issue. To my amazement and to my disappointment both, Democrats universally said no. It was good to be able to help President Obama. Thank you very much for helping us, but we will not help President Trump and we will not do this. My proposal was not just to do it for two years as it was done under President Obama. Let's do it from here on out because this weaponizing of the cloture vote prevents any president in the future from ever getting all their nominees. And I think when a person is elected, they should be able to hire their staff. Uh, that should be part of the deal when you're actually elected, uh, electing someone. But again, uh, I didn't get any takers on that. We ran it through the Rules Committee last year. Rules Committee approved it, and then we tried to seek any kind of support on the floor from any of our Democratic colleagues to be able to get any support for the exact same deal uh, that had been done under President Obama and Harry Reid they universally said, no, won't take the exact same deal. So I came back at it, this Congress, with a new proposal and said, let's just make it as simple as we possibly can and try to be able to build Democratic support again on it. Again, two hours uh, for district court judges, the same as it was in, in 2013. Uh, but then I also had additional uh, parts of it that would make it simpler. If there were some of these nominees, like for FEC, SEC, others, there's both Republicans and Democrats that are nominated to these boards and said, let's let's make sure that we're protecting those for 30 hours. If those are nonpartisan, let's continue to be able to protect those with extra time and such. Did all kinds of different negotiations, met with a lot of my Democrat colleagues uh, for the past several months. But at the end of the day, I didn't have a single Democrat that would come on board to be able to help in this process. So it left us in a very bad spot. Mitch McConnell uh, growing in frustration of what's happening uh, in the Senate, watching the Senate slowly be slowing down more and more and more. We had to get to a solution on this. It all built until actually yesterday. 
yesterday from when we were recording this podcast that the Senate actually went to the floor. Uh, we proposed the, the bill that I have had uh, two days ago. That failed to get any Democratic support. And so as Republicans stepped forward and said, we're going to use the same thing that was set up in the end of 2013 uh, that uh, Harry Reid used, a new precedent, uh, to be able to say you can change rules with 51 votes. Uh, that was a precedent that was set by Harry Reid in 2013 and say we're, we're going to use that, but it's not going to just help President Trump. It's from here on out. Every president in the future should be able to get their nominees heard. So as of yesterday, nominees for district court, those are the lower courts, and lower level nominees in all the executive branch will take two hours of floor debate time. If it's requested, most of them in the past, there was never a request for an additional two hours. Uh, Typically, that time was very, very short, if used at all. For instance, on a circuit court nominee that we had earlier this year that was very controversial to be able to work through the process that a lot of Democrats didn't like uh, her particular conservative perspective, uh, there was only 44 minutes of floor debate. But they demanded an additional 30 hours of total debate, but only used 44. Uh, There was another one of the circuit court nominees that just over an hour was actually used. It's actually extremely rare for it to be more than 15 minutes of actually floor debate time because most of the debate is not on the floor. Most of the debate is in the committee process. That's where it's actually resolved. And by the time it gets to the floor, we already know there's a majority support uh, for this nominee, and it typically moves through at a pretty regular pace. So the basic proposal has now become the new rule of the Senate. Two hours for district court if there's additional time needed. Two hours of additional time that can be requested for lower level, but still the longer 30 hours if you're Supreme Court, Circuit Court, or Cabinet-level individuals. Now, again, most folks outside the country aren't going to notice the difference, but here's the real difference on it. Now the Senate is able to do legislation because we couldn't do legislation before because we're always fighting over this long periods of time with an empty floor with no debate because we're waiting on a nomination to be done. Now we can actually do more nominations and work through the process. The president can actually get his team. All the cabinet officials are there. It's the lower folks. It's the deputy assistant secretary. It's the assistants to the different cabinet level folks. Many of those cabinet officers have never been put in place. We have 50 different ambassadors that have not been put into place. We have all kinds of judges that have never been able to finish because we actually can't get through the process. There's just not enough days to do it. Even last year, the Senate was in session more days last year than any other Congress in the last 50 years. But we still didn't have enough time because there was a constant slowdown of the schedule. That has now finally been fixed. Now we should be able to work through the process to be able to queue up nominations and to be able to do it. And again, it's not just a partisan issue for President Trump. This is for every president in the future. Republicans joined Democrats with this basic belief any president should be able to hire their staff. We did that and proved it in 2013 uh, when Republicans helped President Obama get his staff. Now it's time for us to be able to settle this once and for all, and did for every president, this president included, in the days ahead. We'll see a lot of uh, conversation on this, but it's been interesting to see how little news there's been really about this kind of shift in the rules of the Senate. Uh, But it will hopefully make the Senate a lot more productive in the days ahead. And for goodness sakes, we need a more productive Senate. Uh, There's a lot that needs to be done to be able to serve the American people, but we've not been able to move through bills and the things that really need to get done because there's this constant internal fight over nominations and the things that are not getting done. 
time to get back to serving the American people, dealing with all the key issues uh, that we've got to resolve. And we think that we finally fixed that. Now, you may have more questions about what's going on in the Senate or more questions about what we're trying to do. Feel free to always contact us. You can do it at langford.senate.gov. That's our website. You can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and look for Senator Langford in those spots and be able to track with us. Email us. Call us. Uh, We've got lots of places to be able to connect with us, but we want to be able to maintain the ongoing dialogue. If you're not tracking us on an e-newsletter, we put that about every three or four weeks. We'll put it out to give all the details of some of the big events. That's what's happening. You can just go to langford.senate.gov and sign up for that. And if you're ever in Washington, D.C., please make sure you stop by our office. We'd love to be able to show you around and let you meet all the folks that work for Oklahomans all the time uh, in Washington, D.C. and the things that we're trying to take care of. If you're in town on a Wednesday, stop by for Java with James. Uh, About 9 o'clock every Wednesday morning, uh, we sit down with a cup of coffee and just get a chance to be able to share what's happening in D.C., uh, answer questions of anyone who's here. We're trying to solve the big issues. Uh, This one is one of those behind-the-scenes nuisance-type issues dealing with the, the nomination rules. But there's a lot of big issues in the days ahead that we've still got to be able to be resolved. And we are on track on those. One last thing on our website, you'll see the information on federal fumbles. Uh, That is a big book of uh, problems and solutions that we put out every single year to be able to detail this is the inefficiency that's happening in the federal government. Here's a set of solutions. Interestingly enough on those, one of those that we did this past year in our federal fumble book dealt entirely with inefficiency in the Senate on nominations. That is a win for us that that one's finally done. Uh, But our federal fumble book, if you want to be able to read through some of those big projects that we're working on, uh, feel free to be able to go to our website, langford.senate.gov, and to be able to download the fumble book as well. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today, and we'll try to give you another insight into what's happening in the Senate in the days ahead on the next breakdown.